All right, kids, I just want to remind you to get this out. And remember, amen when you get bingo, okay? We're teaching the adults how to say amen in church, okay? So just shout it out when you get bingo. Try to get through all the words today. While we are uh, making a little transition here on the stage, let me just talk to our online audience. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to just specifically welcome you to the service and just let you know we're so glad that you've taken the time to be with us during this time this morning. At the end of our service, in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together, and we want you at home or wherever you're joining us online to participate with us. So you can get some crackers or bread and some juice and just have those elements ready. I know many of you who are joining us online are already prepared and planned uh, to join us in communion, but maybe you just tuned in. We want to encourage you to be ready to participate. So while we're making a couple other announcements here in the, in the building, we want you to take these moments to get communion elements ready so you'll be prepared to celebrate with us at the end of the service. Now, for those of you who are in the room, I want to just remind you of a couple of things. One... Kelly, as we've already prayed, is heading out uh, this week, and so uh, we are sad to see her go, but excited for this next chapter in her life. And uh, I was thinking, Kelly, I was on a run earlier this week, and I was thinking about you transitioning, praying for you as I was running through Matter Park. And as I was praying, it just dawned on me, you took the pictures at our wedding, that is amazing. I, I totally had forgotten that. And then as I was running, I was like, wait a minute. Kelly ran around and took pictures during our wedding. And, uh, and so thank you for taking those pictures. Uh, we, every once in a while, flip through, that, uh, flip through that notebook and look at those pictures like, wow, that was a long time ago. And I had some crazy hair back then. Um, so uh, Kelly is moving from us. We've already talked about that. But she is in need of a couple of strong, burly people. I'm not going to say men, because there might be some burly women in the room as well. So men or women, if you're strong and burly and are willing to help Kelly move a few heavier pieces of furniture into her pod that's going to be uh, transported to where she's moving to, would you just make sure that you see Kelly right after the service and just coordinate with her? Again, I think there's just a few pieces, not a lot, uh, just five or six, uh, so it wouldn't take a lot of time, but if a few of you would help, that would be wonderful. So we want to encourage you to do that. And then last thing, and then we're actually going to get into the message for today. Um, I know some of you are like, are we ever going to get there? Yes, we're going to get there, I promise. Right after the service today, we're having a brief reception to express our love and appreciation to three of our staff members who have faithfully served us, and we just want to express our deep love and appreciation for them. So right after the service, we're just asking you to stick around for a few minutes. We've got some cake and some goodies out there that you can enjoy and we're going to make that all COVID safe, so just, and, you know, just relax. It's going to be okay. Um, but you can actually fellowship uh, and enjoy that time and express your appreciation to three of our staff members. So Sharon Bardsley has served in our office part-time over the last three years, and you'll want to express your appreciation to her. 
Pastor Zach Bardsley, who has been on our pastoral team for the last five years. You'll want to express appreciation to him. Yep, cheers for Pastor Zach. At least one cheer for you, Zach, so that's good. And then Nancy Klein, who just celebrated her 25th anniversary of working here at Lakeview Wesleyan Church. So this is an opportunity for us, as soon as the service is over, to just spend a few minutes. There's some baskets out there if you've got a note or a card or cash and you want to just give them a little gift, we'd encourage you to do that. Um, but, but if you don't do any of that, at least look them in the eye and tell them thank you. It's never fun when staff have to transition. We don't ever enjoy that, right? It's never, never fun. But as people transition and go to what's next, uh, we want to do our part as a church to say thank you for people who have served us faithfully and served us well. I think it's really critical for us to practice that as a church. So today you've got that opportunity, so just stick around for a few minutes after the service and thank these dear people who we love so much for their investment in our lives and in our congregation. Can we do that? This would be a good place for an amen. Can we do that? Okay, great, awesome. Thank you. Somebody's getting the hang of it. Um, let's pray together. Then we're going to get into the message. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of gathering together as your church. God, if anything, these last months have taught us how precious it is to gather together as your people in your presence, to worship you, to draw strength from one another, to be in your word together, to be in worship together, to pray together. And so, God, we are grateful today, and we say thank you. Now, God, as we turn our attention to your word, which has already been read for us, would you speak to us in these moments? And as we celebrate communion together, in just a little bit, Lord, would you pour out your grace in our hearts? Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give these moments to you now. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. So we've been in this series uh, that we've called, What Kind of Church? And we're just asking this question, what kind of church does God want us to be? And over the course of this series, kind of the foundational premise is that the church is not a place, it's not an event, it is a community of people. And we've said that this community of people should be defined by certain characteristics, not characteristics that we deem to be important, but characteristics that the scriptures tell us are important. We want our understanding of this community not to be shaped by our own ideas and our own perspectives, but we want our understanding of church, our understanding of this community to be shaped and formed by the pages and the words and the truths of scripture. We've said that this is our biblical ecclesiology, our beliefs and our perspectives and our convictions about the church ought to be shaped by the scriptures themselves. We want God to tell us what kind of community he wants us to be. And we've already covered three of these characteristics. We started by saying that the community that we're called to, this community called the church, is first of all missional. And we said God himself has a mission that he is bringing his kingdom to this earth. That's what Jesus said when he came. 
right? That the kingdom of God has now come near and you can live in its reality. Just repent and believe this good news. And we said that because God has this mission, he called together this community called the church. And as the church, we're called to carry forward the mission of Jesus himself, that we're called to to be missional. Last week we said that, or two weeks ago, we said not only should we be missional, but we are a gospel community, right? The gospel is just a word that means good news. And we said that we are called as God's people to carry the good news of Jesus Christ out into our community and out into our world. We said that this is important because every person in our city and every person in our county needs repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? People can't believe unless they hear and they can't hear unless someone proclaims and we as God's people are sent to proclaim. We said that we're always supposed to be moving in two directions. We're sent out to share the gospel with people that cross our path out in the community. And we're also called to invite people into the community where they can see how we live our lives. And they can hear the gospel and they'll have opportunities to respond to it. So we're missional and we're a gospel community. And then last week we talked about the fact that we're a discipling community. We looked back at the invitation of Jesus, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? And we said that we're called to be disciples who are pursuing transformation. Our goal is to become like Jesus and we're called to make disciples, right? To be fishers of people, to help other people follow Jesus as well. This morning, I want to talk to you about the fourth and final characteristic that we're going to cover in this series, and it's this, that we are called to be a multiplying community. We're called to be a multiplying community. And the math teachers in the room said, amen. This is actually not a math lesson, but it kind of is, because we are called as the church to be focused on and committed to multiplication. So I've got here in my hand something, and as I hold it up, what do you see that I have in my hand? An apple, right. Now how many of you, when I held this up, or as I've been standing up here talking and kind of tossing it back and forth, you thought to yourself, I know what he's holding in his hand. It's not an apple, it's an orchard. How many of you had that thought? No, because you're smarter than that. This is just an apple, right? Except when an apple tree produces an apple, it's not thinking about producing an apple. I don't know that trees can think, but just go with it, okay? Apple trees aren't thinking to themselves, let's produce apples. You know what apple trees are thinking? Let's produce other apple trees. And In essence, apple trees are thinking not just about one tree, but many trees. They're thinking about, let's produce an orchard. Now, you might not know this, but if you were to cut this apple in half, we would likely find uh, what, what is called carpels. Those are the seed pockets at the center of an apple. There are usually five of them in an apple, and there are different numbers of seeds that you might find within those seed pockets inside of an apple. So when an apple tree produces the fruit of an apple, it is not thinking, here's a great piece of fruit that you get to eat. It is thinking, how can the seeds inside of this piece of fruit make their way into the ground so that more trees can be produced and 
the apple tree population can multiply. Right? Now again, you looked at this and said, well, there's an apple. But this apple is actually the potential of an orchard. Because it is designed for multiplication. Incidentally, uh, a peck of apples weighs about 10 and a half pounds. And a bushel of apples weighs 42 pounds. Now that has nothing to do with this morning's message, except my grandmother used to sing a song to me when I was a little kid. She would hold me in her lap and she would say, I love you a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. As a kid, I thought, what does that mean? I have no idea. Now I know. She loves me about 52 and a half pounds worth of apples. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Apples contain within them the intention to multiply. So in John 15, when Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, Jesus wasn't suggesting that you would just be a piece of fruit pointing to the tree that you came from. Jesus wasn't just asking you to go out and be an example of his grace and his truth and his power at work in your life. You are to be that. Apples are good to eat, especially this kind. These are honey crisp. They're really good. Man, they're good. And I'm glad they're not expensive at Aldi. God did not create you just to be a piece of fruit. Inherent in you is the possibility and the potential for multiplication. In fact, when God created you as his follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, his intention is for you not just to have his work in you, but he wants to do his work through you for the good of others. He wants to actually multiply his work through your life so that his work continues to extend and expand. He's not just thinking about how do we get a piece of fruit. He's thinking how do we get an orchard of trees that keep making more fruit, that produce more trees, that produce more fruit, that produce more trees, until all of the world is under the rule and reign of God. This is the mission of God we talked about four weeks ago, that his influence would expand and extend from here to everywhere. Another passage where Jesus was doing some teaching and it kind of touches on this idea of fruitfulness is Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. We're not going to take time to read it this morning, but I want to give you the 90-second version of this particular story from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is teaching the disciples and he tells a story about a master who's going to go away on a long journey. While he's gone, he wants his resources to be furthered. He wants uh, to take the resources he has, give them to his servants so they can put them to work while he's away so that when he comes back, he'll have more resources than when he left. So the master calls three servants to himself and he gives them each an amount of financial resources. In the story, it's called talents. That's the measure of money that the master's giving away here. He gives to each servant 
different number of talents, and he says to them, you are to take these talents, invest these talents, so that they produce a return for the master. And when I come back, you'll tell me what you've done with my resources and what you've been able to gain from them. The master then goes away on a long journey. The first two servants take what has been given to them, what has been entrusted to their care, and they risk it. They play the stock market with it. They, they put it into an investment portfolio and they get a return on their investment. They actually make money. In fact, both of those servants doubled the original investment. You want these people to be your Edward Jones guys or gals, right? Because they're going to get you more money. That's what these two servants did. They invested and doubled the resources that were entrusted to their care. The third servant knows that the master is a hard master. He knows that the accountability that's going to be required is going to be pretty stringent and pretty strict. So the third servant takes what's been entrusted to his care and he buries it. He just wants to protect it, to hoard it, to keep it safe. He doesn't invest it in any way. He just buries it in the ground. Fast forward, Master comes back after a long, long journey, and when he returns, he wants to get a report on what they've done with what's been entrusted to their care. The first two servants come, and they say, we took what you gave us, we invested it, and we doubled your investment. And here's, here's back everything you gave us plus that amount again. The master says, well done. Listen to the phrase. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Third servant comes. What did you do with what I've entrusted to your care? Oh, I knew that you were a hard and difficult master, so I took what you gave me and I buried it so that I wouldn't lose it. So here's your original investment back. And what does the master say to the third servant? Depart from me, wicked and lazy servant. Depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. Did you just get bingo? Awesome, way to go. I'm trying to get the words in there. That's awesome. Um, it's okay, everybody. You can take a deep breath. It's church. We can have fun. It's okay. It's okay. I promise. I promise. Third servant. Didn't do anything with the resources. Depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, there are lots of lessons we could learn from Matthew 25. I want to give you one principle that I think is really important as we think about what it means to be a multiplying community. And here it is. Three words. Fruitfulness is faithfulness. Fruitfulness is faithfulness. This is really, really important. This, again, this is a teaching of Jesus. Jesus is trying to communicate something really important to us to help us understand what it means to live life in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, fruitfulness matters. God's not looking for a bunch of people who take whatever he's given to them and they just hoard it and keep it safe and protect it and don't use it for him. No, that's not, that's not faithfulness in God's book. Faithfulness says whatever God has entrusted to our care, our time, our talent, our treasures, we take those resources and we invest it, we risk it, we put it on the line. We might lose it, but we're going to lose it for the master's cause if we do. But it's worth the risk because God wants a return on his investment. 
He didn't give you spiritual gifts. He didn't give you talent. He didn't give you the time that you have or the treasure that you possess. He didn't give that to you just for your own benefit because he's not interested in just having a piece of fruit. He wants an orchard. He built into us, just like is built into this apple, the potential for multiplication because that's what God intends, that we would be used by God to multiply his work from here to everywhere. Fruitfulness is faithfulness. This is so important because sometimes in the church we think it's just enough to show up and go through the motions. I just want to let you know, we don't want to be a church that just shows up and goes through the motions. The whole reason we're doing this series is because we want to be the church that God intends for us to be. Oh, I hope you understand that. We are not going to just go through the motions. If we are, man, let's just shut the doors and turn the lights off and let's go home. Why would we invest resources and time and talent and treasure in going through the motions? No, we want to be a community centered on Jesus Christ where disciples are being made and people are being sent out to do the work of God in our community and around the world so that the kingdom of God can continue to expand and extend its influence until every single person lives under the rule and the reign of God. So I don't know why you're a part of Lakeview Church, but that's why I'm a part of Lakeview Church. Because I think God wants to use us in this day and into the future to be a kingdom-expanding force for his glory. Which brings me to the passage that was read earlier, Acts chapter 1. Why does fruitfulness matter to Jesus? Because Jesus wants his message to go from here to everywhere, right? He says, but you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the very ends of the earth. What, what was Jesus saying to his disciples? Start where you are, but don't stop until everyone knows. The message must go from here to everywhere, right? We have to be those kind of people, people who are committed to seeing our city one for Jesus Christ. I know it might be hard for us as we drive through the streets of our city to imagine what would it be like if every single person and every single family and every single street was transformed by the grace and power of Jesus Christ. But as God's people, those are the kinds of thoughts and prayers we must have. Because that's what God's thinking about. What would it be like if Marion was completely transformed by the grace, power, and truth of Jesus Christ? What would happen? That was not only bingo, that was perfectly timed. That was beautiful. Amen is the word we're looking for, amen. Way to go, though. Listen, God wants to transform our community. God wants to transform our community, and he wants to transform our county. You get outside of Mary, and you think about Grant County as a whole. There are thousands of people who don't know Jesus. Thousands, thousands of people. Some statistics tell us that uh, upwards of 70% or better aren't in church on any given Sunday morning in our county. That might be hard for you to believe because you drive around, there are churches everywhere, Right? 
But even if we filled every church in our community multiple times every single weekend, do you know what? We still wouldn't have everybody. There's work to be done. And then we branch out from there and we start talking about other places in the state of Indiana. We start talking about the fact that there are three million Hoosiers who don't have any religious affiliation whatsoever. Not just that they're not Christian, they're not anything. And you realize there's a mission field that we live in right here in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, and in our Samaria. And then when we branch out from there and we start looking at the global context in which we live, we realize that there are places and people all over this globe, some of whom have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. It's not that they have decided not to follow Jesus. They don't even know that Jesus exists. We have a mission and work to do. Fruitfulness matters to Jesus because Jesus wants his influence to extend from here to everywhere. So I want to, as we start moving uh, to communion in just a couple of minutes here, I want to just give you two things to pray for. Two things that I'm praying for on a regular basis as it relates to being a multiplying community. First, let us pray together as a church that God would help us be a community that multiplies new disciples. Let us be a church that multiplies new disciples. We are Christ's ambassadors. We've been entrusted with this message and this ministry of reconciliation. So we go out into the world and God implores the world on his behalf through us to be reconciled to himself so that people can know who Jesus is. Now I want to be really clear with you. Our priority as a church is to make new disciples. I want to make sure everybody inside of our congregation is appropriately cared for and discipled and being fed and growing spiritually. I want to make sure all of that's true. But I want to let you know that our number one priority is to make disciples, new disciples. We must do that. We must do that. And the reason we must do that is because Jesus requires it of us. And the last time he checked, he's our Lord. So we do what he asks us to do. Right? One of the things that the search committee said to me uh, when we were just beginning the interview process is what's really important to us is that we have a pastor who is going to shepherd our congregation. I want you to know that that was encouraging to me. That was exciting to me. In fact, I told the search committee, that's one of the reasons I was interested in even thinking about becoming your pastor because I want to shepherd you as a congregation. I want to help each and every one of you become everything that God wants you to be. I want you to grow as a disciple. I want you to become more like Jesus Christ. When you're going through difficult times, I want to be there to listen to you, to pray with you, to support you, and to encourage you. I want to be your pastor. And I want you to know that's really, really important. But I also want to let you know that if I must choose between shepherding you well or reaching more people for Jesus Christ, I will always, always, always unapologetically choose to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because Jesus, my Lord, said, if there are 99 sheep in the fold and there's one missing, we must leave the 99 to go find the one. 
I just want to let you know you have a pastor who loves you, who will take care of you, but I will always leave to go find the one who's not here because they matter to God and they matter to us. Let us be a church that multiplies new disciples. I've also been praying that we would be a church that multiplies new kingdom communities. What I know is that, again, we could fill this place multiple times, and we're gonna, we're gonna fill it multiple times. Some of you are like, oh my dear, he's really serious. Yes, yes, I am really serious. We got a big mission field. And we can fill this place multiple times, but here's what I know. There are places in our city and places across our county that even if we're filling this place multiple times, we still need more churches. We always will need more churches. It's fascinating. In uh, the churches in the Crossroads District, the network of churches that we're part of in the state of Indiana, that in the churches that are less than two years old, for every five believers in that church, they baptize one person. For churches that are older than two years in the Crossroads District, it takes 60 believers to baptize one person. So you might say, well, why in the world would we need new churches? Because new churches tend to be way more effective at reaching people that current churches are not yet reaching. So I pray that we'll be a church that multiplies new kingdom communities in Marion, in Grant County, the surrounding areas, and around the world. I pray for our world to have a church multiplication movement I don't often open up my personal prayer life and put it on display for everyone to see, but, but I just want to let you know that for the last 10 years of my life, I've been praying that before my ministry's over, that I would be a part of helping to see 100 churches planted. I don't know that I've ever shared that with anyone. I don't even know that I've ever shared that with my wife. But I've talked about it to God an awful lot. Now, I don't know if Lakeview Church is going to get to be a part of starting 100 churches. Maybe it's 1,000. But I pray to God that we would be a part of a movement of new churches because God's not just interested in fruit. He's interested in orchards. And maybe we'll just be one of those places where orchards just get started. And they just grow and they multiply and we will have communities of faith here in Marion and in Grant County and around Indiana and around the globe where disciples are being made, people are being raised up and the mission of God is moving forward. I want to encourage you to pray with me that disciples would be multiplied and new kingdom communities would get started, and if God would so favor us as a church that we would be able to be a part of that movement. Amen? Now, in this series, we've been talking about a lot of different things. We've been talking about the fact that church isn't uh, a place, it's not an event, it's a community. And as a community, we're called to be missional, to carry forward the mission of God. 
We're a gospel community. We're called to carry the good news out into our community, invite people to hear it so that they can respond and know who Jesus is. We're to be a discipling community. We're to be disciples who are being transformed into the image of Jesus, and we're called to make disciples of all nations. And finally, we're a multiplying community. We've been chosen by God to bear fruit, fruit that multiplies his work into the lives of others and into other places and and situations so that more and more people can come under the influence of God's kingdom. That's the kind of community we're supposed to be. And it doesn't take long when you just think about all that stuff to realize, wait a minute, we can't do that. Bingo. We can't do that. We actually need a resource outside of ourselves to come into our lives to empower us for the work to which we have been called. And this is where a sacrament like communion comes into play because communion is a means of grace. It's not just a a ritual or a symbol, not just something we walk through to remember and think about God. It's actually a time where the presence of Christ enters into these moments. And as we receive the elements of communion, the grace of God is poured out in our hearts and in our lives. And that grace is real and it's tangible. And it empowers us to go and be the people of God that we are intended to be. So this morning as we head into our time of communion... I've asked Christian to play behind as we're walking through this time, but I want to just encourage you, if you received one of these cups when you came in, uh, I want you to get that out. If you did not get one of these cups and you need one, just raise your hand. I think we've got some ushers who can help us. So just put your hand up high. We've got one up here. We've got a couple over here. Anybody else? Yep. Raise your hand. Great. Ushers are coming to help you. Let me talk to the online audience for just a moment. If you've got your elements ready for communion, this is the time for you to get them, distribute them to the people uh, that are in your household, and uh, we're going to prepare to receive the elements together. Now, this is a new thing, right? How many of you have ever taken communion using this kind of dealio here? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to be, we're going to go a little slower today. Because I want to give you instructions. I want to make sure everybody's tracking with us. But uh, some of you are like, so where's the wafer? It's there. It's just on the top. There are two tabs. Some of you are like, oh, now I get it. Yep. It's going to be okay. Uh, We're going to, at the right time, peel these layers back and we'll walk through it. But first, what I want you to do, whether you're uh, joining us online from home or whether you're in the room, I want you just to hold this cup in, in your hand. Just hold it right in front of you. And I want you to pray with me as we consecrate these elements and ask God to use these elements for his grace. So God, we hold the elements in our hand, whether we're sitting here in the sanctuary or whether we're home in our living room or wherever people might be joining us online today, we hold these elements in our hand. These are ordinary elements, God, things that we could consume on any given day of the week. But in this moment, on this day, we ask a very special anointing of your hand to rest on these elements. 
We consecrate and dedicate them to your purposes in this holy ritual that we call communion or Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. God, we're asking you to put your presence on these elements so that when we receive the bread and the cup, it's not just a a ritual. It's not just a symbol. It is a tangible act of receiving grace into our lives. So bless and consecrate these elements, Lord, and use them for your purposes. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now on the top of your cup, there's like a thin little tab that's kind of clear. I want you to grab that one. And if you just peel that back, it'll reveal the wafer. Take the wafer and hold it in your hand. If you're joining us at home, crackers or bread, get that in your hand. And then I just want you to remember what happened when Jesus instituted this sacrament. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples and they were sitting around a table. They had shared a meal together and after they had shared the meal, Jesus took some bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Today, as you hold this little wafer in your hand or you're holding bread or crackers at home, I just want you to remember Jesus let his body be broken for us. And as you think about that, I want you to eat this bread and I want you to be thankful. So let's eat together. Now you can take that cup that you've got and peel back that second layer. Be careful with this one because the juice will get on you. So peel that back. If you're at home, grab the juice that you've prepared. And I want you just to hold this cup in front of you and just remember, again, that meal that Jesus had with his disciples. After they'd finished eating the bread, Jesus took a cup and he prayed over it. He blessed it. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, I want you to drink this. And I want you to remember that my blood is being poured out for you. Just take a moment. Think about the fact Jesus shed his blood so that you could be his child. And as you think about that this morning, let's drink this cup together and let's be thankful for what Jesus has done. you join me in prayer? God, we're so, so very, very grateful for your grace. Grace that redeems, grace that saves, grace that forgives and covers our sins, but also grace that empowers. You're not just about erasing our past, you're about leading us into a future. And so your grace, the grace that covers our sins and makes us your child and makes us brand new is the same grace that empowers us to live this life, to become the community that you've called us to be and to do the things that you have pulled us together as a community to accomplish. So God, today we are grateful. 
We are grateful and thankful and honored and humbled by the fact that you love us like you do. Enough to change us, enough to forgive us, enough to empower us, enough to use us for your purposes in this world. So God, may every person in this room and those who are joining us online, may every single person who has received your grace through communion this morning be empowered and favored by the anointing of your Holy Spirit to go and be the disciples you want us to be and to do everything that you've created us to do so that you get the glory and you get the honor and you get the praise. God, we love you today. We love you. And we give you praise. So continue in these moments to reveal yourself to us as we sing together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.